like the most wonderful time of the year uh, this weekend, at least if you're spending any time outside. Single digits for a low. Back that TFC truck right up to your house. What's up, everybody? Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to everybody out there. It is LOTL. It is episode 241. And we are getting ready for Christmas tonight. A little Andy Williams for you That's starting right. the show. That's right. A little Christmas cheer. Mm-hmm. Welcome on in. I am Dan here with Steven. This is Living Off the Land, as we said. And we are starting tonight's episode just finishing a big Cavaliers win. Big. Big time win for the Cavaliers tonight. Little little payback, if you will. First two if games, you, if the, you will. First two games they played this season against the the fearsome Milwaukee Bucks. The Cavaliers had to go to Milwaukee and they got beat in both games. Well, this time Milwaukee had to come to Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse and the script was flipped. Uh, despite 45 points by Giannis Antetokounmpo, it was a fantastic performance by the Cavaliers. Actually, uh, pretty much in all phases of the game, and they pull out the victory. 114, 106. I don't know if Milwaukee had a late basket. It was like 10 seconds left. But the Cavs are now 22 and 11 and are tied for the most wins in the Eastern Conference. They're only behind the Bucks and Celtics basically because of games in hand, uh, just behind a little bit in the loss column. But uh, really good stuff from the Cavs. This is their fifth straight win. Uh, we might as well just transition right into the week that was with the Cleveland Cavaliers. And it was all good this week. I mean, it didn't look so good at the beginning. The Cavaliers struggled early on Friday night against the Pacers. They were down by 13 going into the fourth quarter, but they absolutely flattened Indiana in that fourth quarter, outscoring them by 19 and pulling that game out 118-112. And then the Cavs had to go overtime the next night against Dallas, a Dallas team that was missing Luka Doncic. You know, that's a game that you would have thought the Cavs would have been able to more readily handle, but, uh, you know, call it second night of back-to-back, tired, who knows. But uh, this game went to overtime, but the Cavaliers are 5-0 and in overtime games this season. Yep. 5-0. and They got it done against the Mavericks, and, and this was a weird overtime. The Mavericks got a three-pointer on the first possession, on their first offensive possession of the overtime. They didn't score again after that. Yeah, the Cavs only had two baskets in overtime, and they won the game. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, listen, the Cavs are the number one uh, net-rated defensive team in the league. So, yeah, par for the course, really. They are leading the league in point defense differential. in crunch time. Uh, was plus point six point uh, plus six point five uh, points per game per outing. Coming into Monday night's game against the Jazz, and they expanded on that as they just pounded the Jazz, 122-99. to 99. I believe this was Donovan Mitchell's first game against the Jazz since the trade. Yes. And, well, that 
game did not go well from Utah from the jump. Uh, no, and it looked like early on that Donovan Mitchell was going to try and go for 50 that night, but he ended up, because the Cavs were winning by so much, only played uh, 23 minutes. I think he ended up having 22 points in those 23 minutes. But, uh, yeah, the game was well in hand early in the second half, and the Cavs just kind of cruised. Those are the best games if you're if you're any player. Like you play great, you ball out for the first two and a half quarters, and you don't even play the rest of the night because yeah. it's just a blowout. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I mean, like you said, the Cavs have won every game over the last week. Yeah, and uh, Can't they are they are basically unbeatable at home in the friendly confines of the Romo Fijo. Sixteen and two at home. Their only defeats coming to the Timberwolves and the Kings. Go figure. Uh, right, two teams you wouldn't have expected. I mean, granted, Sacramento's having a much better season than we would have thought. They're sixth in the West. We've beaten teams like Boston and now Milwaukee at home, and we've lost to the Timberwolves and the Kings. Yeah. Sometimes just, just that's just how it goes in the NBA. And again, like you said, uh, the Kings have been having a pretty good season. Coached by former Cavs uh, head coach Mike Brown. Shout out, Mike Brown. Um, but yeah, uh, the Cavs just, you know, they were... I'd say a few weeks ago, they were having a little bit of a tough stretch. They were having some trouble scoring, uh, but they have uh, shored that up, and they are, I mean, you talk about playing like a finely tuned machine right now. That That's exactly what they're doing. They're, the only thing that I will point out, and we were talking about it as we were watching the end of that game there, uh, the only thing that is that for me is holding this team back for being a legitimate NBA championship contender this year is their inability to hit open threes in the corner oh they my just, gosh were they missing a three and d guy so hard in the fourth quarter of this game they just i mean the Cavs would have won the game tonight by uh like 20 points if they had like what they had during the lebron championship years with rj uh channing uh jr smith shumpert you know just one of those guys. And uh, Isaac Okoro is just not getting it done. It, it was interesting. There was, in the fourth quarter, um, you know, Darius Garland, Donovan Mitchell are so good at beating their man off the dribble at the top and penetrating and getting into. I don't, I don't know where Champ is. I hear him chewing on something. You hear that? Might be his bone, possibly. Probably, in the other room. I don't know if you can hear that on the podcast, but anyway, um, they're so good at, at getting into the teeth of the defense, and what they want to do is pass to the open man who has his guy collapsing down on them and be able to pass out for a wide-open three. The problem is, is outside of, like, Kevin Love, and he has been hampered with uh, the hairline fracture in his thumb, we don't have anybody that can do that right now. Isaac Okoro can't do that. I mean, we watched and we talked about it. There was a, there was a point where Darius Garland did do that and passed it out to Isaac Okoro, and he badly missed a wide open three. And then Darius didn't didn't pass it out to him the rest of the game. Darius was trying to put up these these flippy shots uh, to try and score rather than pass out to yeah, a wide was... open Isaac Okoro because he knows he can't hit that shot. That's the only thing that the Cavs are missing right now that is going to hold them back, especially come playoff time from competing for the NBA championship this year. It's the only thing. They literally have everything else. Yeah, some of those plays toward the end of this game, you you know, if, if you were somebody who doesn't typically watch the Cavs, you would be wondering why is Garland playing so selfishly? But that's exactly it. Because 
if the open guy is somebody like a Coro or Chetty Osman on a bad day, you know, he's, he's it's just not even worth it to pass that ball, really. Yeah, so I mean, that's that's really my only gripe with this team is that other than that, they have literally everything that you that you need in a uh, NBA championship team. This is essentially the same team as we had last year, except you're adding Donovan Mitchell, who is what He's we were really really good. Well, yeah, but it was. It is 100% what we were lacking last season was a guy that can close out a game. Yeah. So the Cavs have that. What they don't have, which would make their offense essentially unstoppable, is a guy that consistently hit down uh, open threes uh, when Garland and or Donovan Mitchell are collapsing the defense into the paint. Hmm. The only thing that they're lacking – and and. Maybe Kobe Altman goes out and get that gets that at a trade deadline. Who knows? Maybe that would be great. I think you could you would be able to call the Cavs a legit championship contender if that happens. I don't think right now, even though they've had success against them in the regular season, I don't think we could beat a team like Boston or Milwaukee in a seven game series in the playoffs. No, I like I've I've been consistent on that. Those are the two teams in the East I can't see us beating right now. Yeah. But again, you add that piece. Yeah. Changes a lot. You you might be able to do it. I mean, yeah. you'd, you'd still have the experience disadvantage. Yeah. But and again, I'm not talking yeah. about going out and getting a guy that's going to put twenty like put twenty points in. We no. have we have guys uh, that can get isolation baskets. What I'm talking about is a guy that can come in and average ten to twelve points a game and hit three or four threes in the corner uh, in the flow of the offense. That's what we need. So. I wish it. I wish it would be Isaac Okoro or Lamar Stevens that would be able to do it, but they can't do it. They're not doing it. Hmm. So, and that's you know, it's not to kill those guys. You know, nobody really, nobody on the team has just flat out been bad this year. It's just we don't have the consistency from that particular spot. So, but that it it's a lot of whining for me <laughs> for a team that's twenty two and eleven right now. You know, right? But. I'm at the point now with this team where I'm looking down the line in late April, May, and if we do get that piece, maybe even June this year. Well, next year, but this season. It's going to be May. Uh, I hope we're watching Cavs basketball in May. That would yeah. be awesome. Mm-hmm. So, But, uh, yeah. So that is the, the week that was of the Cavaliers. We wanted to start the episode with that because we are just coming in off of watching the Cavs uh, beat the Bucks today. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything to add? No. Honestly, again, you look at the standings right now, the Cavs are only behind Milwaukee and Boston on, you know, basically because they've played fewer games. Uh, There's one and two behind in the loss column. Brooklyn has played really well behind. They're actually nine wins in their last ten, two games behind the Cavs. After that, it's a little ways down to Philly in fifth place and there's really no one else that's close. So things are looking very good. The Cavs were roughly on 50-win pace last week. Now they've moved their way up more toward 55-win pace with that undefeated week. So, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, everything's heading in the right direction. You know, again, the the main issues with the Cavs are, as we said, are roster-related more so than anything else. You know, everyone is, or pretty much everybody is healthy right now. Yeah. You know, knock on wood with that. Yeah. You know, so – What's not the like? The Cavs have two more uh, games uh-huh. on their home home stand right now. See what you did there. Shout out Nick Gilbert. You know, so 
you know, playing uh, – in fact, Brooklyn does come in on Boxing Day uh, on Monday the 26th, and then the Cavs will play two kind of close divisional opponents next. They play the Pacers again, then they play the Bulls before coming back home for a few more games. So things uh, things looking very good right now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, that was the week that was with the Cleveland Cavaliers. A little bit out of order on this episode. Let's We'll try and get back on track now. As you heard during our – uh, holiday intro. Uh, I did crack a beer open, and it is a beer that we have never featured on Living Off the Land from a never <laughs> from a brewery that uh, has opened since the inception of this podcast. This is actually from the city of Parma's first ever brewery. This is Elise. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Elise Navidad. Elise Navidad. Call the police. (laughs) Christmas Ale from Schnitz Ale Brewery in Parma. This is the first time we've had a Schnitz Ale. No, lie. That's a lie, Dan. It's Christmas time. You should not be lying. We actually did an episode at Schnitz Ale Brewery, actually right around this time last year, Uh, but we have not had their Christmas Ale. So... That is what we are drinking tonight, and their Christmas ale is a dark brown ale brewed with a perfect blend of holiday spices, allspice, cinnamon, sugar, or cinnamon, sugar, cinnamon, ginger, and nutmeg. Get ready for a warm and nostalgic feeling this holiday season. Inspired in Stuttgart, Germany, brewed and canned in Parma, Ohio. Hmm. Schnitz ale. This is 8.4% alcohol by volume, and... It is a great little can. It's interesting. That is, is that not the Van Gogh? Uh, is that Starry Night by Van yes, Gogh? Yes, it is. Yeah. Yep. Right on the can there, uh, which is which is really cool. It says, and to all a good night. So very Christmas-themed beer here. It is very good. Very good. Very good. And the reason I recognized that was because I had gone not only to the Van Gogh Museum exhibit, uh, which was here in Cleveland for a long time, but also, oddly enough, to the Rijksmuseum in Amsterdam, which has the original. That was in 2017. Interesting. Uh, yeah, so. Sorry, I was just looking, trying to find something here. It's okay. Um, yeah, it's a very good beer. Beer, I'm using my German accent, mm. the, the beer. Um, dark brown ale, very much so. Uh, you get all the holiday notes that you usually would get with a Christmas ale. This is very, very good. Well done to Schnitz Ale Brewery. Uh, you can find Schnitz Ale Brewery at five seven two nine Pearl Road in Parma, Ohio. We have been there a few times. Great place to not only get a very European uh, style feel and meal. But it's a great place to watch a soccer match. We just had the World Cup. They had uh, all the games broadcasted from there. They were opening early. Um, It's a great place to have a party. They have a lot of space there. Great food. And, yeah, it's just a great spot. Right on Pearl Road there, uh, right near the corner of Pearl and Snow. Home of Milan Club CLE. That's right. Milan Club CLE. So we're going to be resurrecting that as the World Cup break is coming to an end. 
Uh, so we will be back at Schnitzel Brewery for a AC Milan match, hopefully within the next few weeks. The Serie A. That's right. Um, and, yeah, so great, great beer. I would suggest picking it up. I got it at Max uh, Beverage in Parma, so I don't know their reach just yet. This is the first time I've seen their beer canned and uh, distributed in a uh, beverage store, so I don't know exactly where else you can get um, Schnitz Ale. There were a few of their beers there. Um, their Dusseldorf uh, Hazy IPA was in there, too. That is always a favorite. Um, but I wanted, since we're in the Christmas season, we've been doing Christmas sales. I definitely wanted to uh, get a Christmas beer, and I've never had this beer from them. So I believe on our episode last year, we did try their uh, Hazy IPA. So wanted definitely to get something new. Um, let's see. Let's go ahead and rate this. So my gold standard for Christmas sales is 12 dogs of Christmas sale that I gave that an 8.2 last week. We had pimp my sleigh, uh, from fat heads, which I really liked. That was a 7.9. Um, I'm going to put this right there. I'm going to go 7.9 for, uh, Elise Navidad Christmas sale. Uh, from Schnitz Ale Brewery, which is a very good score. Probably, this probably puts this in my top five of Christmas ales. Uh, yes, I believe so. It's right there. So this is very good. Shout out to uh, our friends at Schnitz Ale. And uh, yeah, we'll definitely be there soon. So this is this is sold in a four-pack of Tall Boys. And it is thirteen ninety nine at Max Beverage, and eight point four percent. So it packs a pretty good wallop, and it is full with great Christmassy flavors. So I would definitely suggest uh, going and grabbing this, and taking it to whatever Christmas, holiday, Hanukkah, uh, whatever party you're celebrating this weekend. So uh, and stay warm out there because the weather just looks absolutely frightful, as they say in the Christmas season. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna slip into weatherman mode here right now because yeah. uh, it it really does not look good from like late Thursday night all the way through I would say like mid to late afternoon Saturday. It's not like a huge snowfall event. I mean, they're only calling for like anywhere from two to five inches. But yeah. what's gonna happen is that we're gonna get rain pretty much all day tomorrow, yep. and then there's gonna come a point sometime either late Thursday night or early Friday morning where we're gonna go from about 40 degrees. To like five. Yeah, I think it's within I like think, an hour. I think it's supposed to be like just at like just after midnight, I think. And so any liquid out there is going to freeze and is going to really cause problems. Then you're gonna have snow on top of that. And well and you're gonna have tropical storm force <clears throat> winds too. Well, let's hope that, you know, this isn't a storm that's going to be sneaking up on anybody. So let's hope that the trucks will be out tomorrow salting literally everything. Yeah, the the folks at ODOT and uh, within the Towns and municipalities, you know, they they've been stocking up. They've been getting ready for this. Hopefully, they are ready again. They good thing the forecasters. We kind of had a read on this for you know not even just today, but you know several days before today. So, you know, the forecast for the Browns game on Saturday is single digits for a high, and about thirty mile an hour winds with gusts potentially getting up to around fifty. That is just downright scary. Because I heard it was going to be five at kickoff. Yeah. Which, when you're talking about 
winds of 30, 35 miles an hour and gusting to 50. You're talking about like minus 15 degree wind chill. Uh, maybe even more than that. Could be even 20, 25. Listen, tweet at us is... at the LOTL podcast Ooh. if you're listening to this and you're actually going to the Browns game on Sunday or oh, Saturday. Why? Because I can't imagine that there's actually going to be a lot of people at that stadium. Number one, it's Christmas Eve. Number two, it's going to be freaking freezing. So I got offered free tickets for the game on, on Saturday. And I said no because it's Christmas Eve. Like, I'm going to be with my family. But even if it wasn't, five with 50-degree wind gusts? And you know that stadium, that wind is just going to come in and that and one of those, uh, it's probably coming uh, west to east, the wind, I think. And it's going to go in one of those uh, openings on the west side of the stadium. And then it's just going to basically just create a like wind turbine inside the state. Could you imagine if either one of these teams has to set up for a field goal to win the game? There's no chance. They're just going to go for it. You know, normally I would say that the weather really – benef- Listen, the Browns – sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but Cade York has been struggling. If I'm the Browns, I don't even attempt to kick. In fact, I tell Cade York, just stay home. <laughs> I'm going for two on every touchdown, and I'm going for it on fourth down. I'm not kicking a field goal. There's no way. Yeah, it's not gonna, a it's chance. Gonna be almost impossible, and it's going to be. I mean, even if the wind wasn't a thing, it's going to be so cold that kicking a ball is going to be like kicking a brick. And again, so, this is I why. Mean, this is why we need an effing dome. <laughs> it's football weather. No, shut up. I. We need a. We need a dome. I mean, this game is going to be so cold because normally I would say, well, the team like the Browns that plays up north and in the elements is going to have a humongous advantage in this game. But it's going to be so ridiculously cold that I'm not sure that that's the case because they're not even used to, to temperatures that cold. Right. And what it's going yeah. to do, especially with the wind, it's going to it's going to make it so both teams are going to have to run the football. And you know how great the Browns are at stopping the run. Mm. That was facetious, ladies and gentlemen. The, the Browns are absolutely. I mean, the horrible. Saints have Alvin Kamara on the other side, but you know, if it's snowing icy, I, I don't know how effective even they're going to be able to run the ball. But yeah, you know, I, don't know. I do know New Orleans is going to be absolutely friggin' miserable, given oh. given that they yeah. like to play you know play play down south in that dome. It's I mean, also the uh, return whew. of Jarvis Landry. So welcome back, Jarvis. I hope you enjoy the weather. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you need that a little bit louder. Yeah. Oh. 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 Yeah. No. Yeah. I don't think that people heard that. I didn't hear that. Anyway. But, um, uh, but yeah. yeah. So that's going to be the extent of our uh, of our Browns preview this week. I don't know what to expect. It's it's really hard to evaluate Deshaun Watson in a game where it's going to be negative five degrees and there's fifty mile an hour winds. They're I not, think they're not going to be able to throw the ball. I think he may attempt more runs than passes. Yeah, in this he could. game, unless the Browns are losing the whole game. Well, yeah, yeah. So, and if they do pass, it's going to be like a bunch of five yard passes because that the wind won't really affect that. It's going to mm. affect them if you try and go intermediate or deep. Obviously, screens to the flat. Screen, screen. Now, granted, so. Years ago, when the Browns played the Bills in that infamous blizzard game, um, which ended 8 nothing for the Browns, and there were no hey, touchdowns we scored in that game. Um, obviously, that was a snowier game than this one's going to be and wasn't quite as cold, but uh, like even just trying to run was kind of ridiculous with all the snow on the ground. The Browns threw deep on the first play of that game, oddly they enough. They did. You know, they, they tried to catch 
Buffalo napping on the first play of the game. It did work, but you yeah. know, it just you know, you still have to be cognizant of that. But trying to hit a deep ball is going to be like, I mean, that's like trying to hit a jackpot at Jack Casino. It just like huh. doesn't, doesn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So yeah. So there's your weather report at, at the twenties for L O T L. Um, but yeah, so that's, we did the beer of the week and, uh, now let's get, are we, the last thing I'll say is if you're planning on driving anywhere on Friday, don't. Yeah. Right. Just, just don't. Yeah. So that's what, that's why I made sure, you know, I, I went out and I, I made sure I got my Christmas shopping done today. Oh yeah. And in fact, it's because of that element of this, because the, especially because of the way Christmas falls on Sunday, Probably Friday and Saturday were going to be like the major, like huge last minute procrastinator city yep. type days, like hitting the mall and everything. Yep. The Ohio State Highway Patrol and local law enforcement and weather agencies have been saying for the last couple of days now, do not like it, get it done today. Get it done now. Literally, because by by Friday morning, you're done. <laughs> Period. You're done. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, so, yeah, that is Beer of the Week. That is your weather report for Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. And uh, we did the week that was. So should we get to know another Time neighborhood? Time for better know a neighborhood? Oh, okay. All right. So this this city, we're going back. Uh, we took a little bit of an excursion last week way down to east central Ohio. Uh, we're back in Cuyahoga County, uh Barely into Cuyahoga County again. This, we're going to hit another town on the southern tier of the county today. Uh, this town is the home <coughs> of the Bears. This town. Which will be hibernating this weekend because of all the snow and ice and wind. But uh, be that as it may, I am talking about North Royalton. North Royalton is in south central Cuyahoga County. It is in between Strongsville in the to its west and Broadview Heights to its east, and Parma to its north. Uh, the western boundary is West 130th Street, southern boundary, Boston Road, northern boundary, Sprague Road, and the eastern boundary is about halfway between State Road, Route 194, and Broadview Road, Route 176. This town is, in a lot of ways, similar to the one we did two weeks ago, Brexville, although the average home price isn't quite as bougie. It's about 300000 uh, compared with Brexville, which was in the 400,000s, and Strongsville, which was you know more up toward 350, but North Royalton certainly has its fair share of um, upper class residents within it. One thing you'll notice in, in most of the communities in North Royalton is that it's a little more spread out than Brexville, uh, and certainly Strongsville, which is much more packed in uh, in terms of the average house lot size. So you, there are some parts of it, especially in the southern end of the city, uh, south of Route 82, where it's almost suburban-y, exurban-y type feel, a little bit almost country-ish uh, as you get toward the southern end of it. But uh, there's, there's a lot to see and do here. Again, much like Strongsville, much like Brexville, there is a very large Metro Parks reservation here. Um, if you start on the west side of the town, you have a really large sledding hill, actually, right along West 130th Street. And you go as you go across... You've got uh, just a whole lot of biking trails, uh, bridle trails where you can get back into the into the trees, just kind of enjoy the nature. And then as you get over to the east side and the south side, you've got two. You actually got three golf courses that are either no, excuse me, 
four golf courses that are right along the four. Yeah, four. Yeah, we got four golf courses that are literally like right along the eastern and southern edge of the city, starting with Valley Air Golf Club, which is uh, just off of Ridge Road and Boston Road. Hinkley Hills Golf course. course is just a little bit to the south on Route 94. Ironwood Golf Course is on the other side of the street. And then Briarwood Golf Club is right along the boundary, like pretty much halfway in Broadview Heights and halfway in North Royalton. So you've got a whole lot of choices to tee it up either within the city or just outside the city limits uh, within this area. So, I mean, great choice. I mean, obviously you're not going to be playing in December, but uh, in the warmer times of the year, you've got lots of options there. In terms of major commercial corridors within North Royalton, you've got two. One is uh, pretty much straight across Route 82, and then the other is north on Ridge Road go, uh, going northbound, although there is another significant plaza at the corner of Wallings and State Road. That's where the original – actually, not the original, but the, that's where Cleats is, and that's where um, Blue Monkey Brewing Company is right in that plaza. So there, there's some good stuff to go here. And there's another restaurant that actually just opened there recently called What's the Scoop? Hmm. I'm actually not even sure what the scoop is. I literally just saw that. Oh, actually, it's not even a restaurant, really. It's more of an ice cream shop, so sorry. But uh, that's probably a place worth checking out because I love ice cream. Uh, going a little bit back toward Ridge Road, uh, quite a few uh, nice local businesses to see. One is Ray's Backyard Barbecue. Another is is Maestro's The Three Spot, which is a bar uh, right off of 82 and Route 3. And then just right across the street from there is Mom's Deli, which is one of my favorite spots to actually go to for home-style food in the Cleveland area. I actually used to work at a company not too far from there. So we'd end up uh, ordering food um, during the lunch hour quite frequently. And their home-style comfort food is second to none. It's one of those just sort of local businesses that's been around, mom and pop shops for a long time. And again, right at the corner of, uh, not actually not Route 3, that's 82 and York Road, I should say. Right near where the jump yard used to be, but the jump yard unfortunately closed last year. That was like, you imagine one like Sky Zone, like one of those trampoline parks, but it was a little bit more kid-oriented. Um, that was kind of a shame. But uh, just a little ways north of there is Mr. Divitz which is another great place to uh, hang out, especially family-friendly. Uh, mini golf, they've got the um, the Water Wars um, water balloon shooting target thing where you try to, like, water balloon other people, which is often extremely fun. Um, and you've got a whole bunch of other just, you know, nice, cool local businesses out there. Um, there's a few more along Wallings and York Road as well. But, um, again, the main portion... Uh, when you talk about North Royalton, it is mostly residential. There is a lot of parkland there, and it's not nearly as commercial as you know what you would see in a place like Strongsville. There's not any malls. There's not. I mean, there is a decent amount of industrial business in North Ro North Royalton, but it's not like top of the line. You don't have any of your major corporations like Lubrizol or Eaton or Lincoln Electric calling the place home. So it's it's mostly just you know manufacturing is pretty heavy if you if you go off any of the main roads into industrial parks it's mostly just like industrial sm manufacturing small businesses and stuff um but anyway that is north royalton and you can wham it with the right hand wham it wham it wham it wham it christmas wham it uh north royalton very 
Very interesting. Very near and dear. Uh, my uncle is a uh, gym and health teacher at uh, North Royalton Middle School. Shout out, Uncle Mario. Um, and uh, we grew up right next door in Strongsville. So we know all about North Royalton. Anyway. Uh we got to spend almost the rest of this episode talking about, in my opinion, the greatest soccer game I've ever watched. I would say we could devote the entire rest of the episode to it, quite frankly, because that game, oh my gosh, people, if you did not see the World Cup final on Sunday morning, what in the world were you doing? I mean, if at this point, like, people, there's... There's a lot of people in this, in the, especially in this country, that are like, "Oh, soccer's boring." You're just a Grinch if you didn't like think that that was like incredible to right. watch. And there was plenty of scoring in that game, so it wasn't boring. Like, yeah, I mean, the the gravity of the you had you had a team that was trying to go back to back World Cups, which hasn't happened since what. The 30s? Yeah, 1934 Almost 100 years Italy. ago. Damn right. Um, and then you had, on the other side, a team that was trying to put themselves into that upper echelon of World Cup nations with trying to win their third title and trying to uh, crown this generation's best player as to me, I know there's some debate still, but to me, the unequivocal greatest of all time, Lionel Messi. This was the only thing that he still hadn't won on his resume. He literally has won everything else. People say, oh, he hasn't won the Euro. That's because he plays for a country that isn't in Europe. Right. He's won the equivalent to the Euro, which is the Copa America. The Copa America. And that was the other big hole in his resume prior to yeah. last year. Yep. Messi had not won a single international title. In fact, they had lost several finals in a row in 2014 in yeah. 2016, but boy, listen, oh boy, they win the Copa America last year, and now the World Cup. I mean, I'm sorry, he's got everything on the resume yeah. now. Like it's it's a shut case. I mean, like for me, the only guy you could even throw in his stratosphere at this point is maybe Pele, Pele, and and uh, Diego Maradona, perhaps. Yeah, but Maradona was Argentina, and the only thing that Mar you people who still thought Maradona was better could hold over his head was the fact that he didn't win a World Cup yet. Well, he did that. Right. Maradona won a World Cup. Now Lionel Messi's won a World Cup. Lionel Messi's won more Ballon d'Ors and Champions Leagues and all that than Maradona did. I guess the I guess the only thing still is uh, Maradona won uh, won a league title with a club like Napoli rather than like a Barcelona in their heyday. You know, that does matter. Yeah, a bit. Yeah. Did Maradona win Champions League with Napoli? I don't think so. I don't think he did. No, I don't think Napoli's won the Champions League. But anyway, but Lionel Messi, to me, solidified. I said at the beginning of the tournament, I, I'm i not going to toot my own horn for picking Argentina. Oh, toot your horn. Yeah, but but there was a lot of people that, that were picking Argentina. So I was just part of the pack. So I know on our on our preview show, I think I would – do you remember who Brett picked? I can't remember. Brazil. Brazil. So I was the one I was the one on the show that did pick Argentina. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I knew Brazil was snake oil. <laughs> Pat on the back for me, I guess, but yeah. um, it's not like they were like you. You went out on a on a on a ledge on your own, picking the Netherlands. Honestly, it, it was the game against Argentina. 
You know, I, yeah. I just, and I even said it before that game, I had a feeling the winner of that game was going to go on to win the tournament. You and, did say that. And that game went to penalties. You know, Argentina, credit to them, they, they held their nerve in penalties, and they had to do it again against France. Yeah. You know, that game ended up going down to penalties too. Yeah. And in both cases, what made it even more impressive for me is that Argentina gave up late leads in both of those games. Yeah. Like, they had the Netherlands beat, and they had France beat. They had France beat twice and let the lead slip. It still had the Cuyones to come back and you know how many how many times would a team uh, do what Argentina did, aka caught like you said cough up the lead and just completely fall apart. I mean they were winning two nothing they were cruising for three quarters of that game and then boom Mbappe strikes twice, twice within two minutes. Yeah, it was like you could have literally gone to the bathroom. You know, gone, wash your hands, come yeah, back. Yeah, come back and, and, and at 2-0 to 2-2. Two, two. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, let's go through it. So, uh, Argentina gets the uh, penalty to start. Well, it was like the, what was it, like the 16th 20, minute? 20th minute or so. Maybe yeah. maybe not even. Something like that. Yeah. So, they get the penalty. There were people who were complaining on social media saying it was soft. I, was it like, did I mean, did he like, was it a crunching tackle? No. But he clipped his heel in the back and the guy went down. I mean, that's a penalty. That's foul. I'm sorry. It's a foul. It's a penalty. You have to call that. It, he was uh, – the defender was clumsy. Yeah. And right by Angel Di Maria, he felt the contact, and he just went down. They, it, he made it so the ref had to call it. You couldn't not call that. Bottom line is, is that that's a foul, whether it's in the defensive third, in the middle, or the attacking third. Right. And that and that's 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 the other thing that, that I, I hate when people say, like, oh – Oh, you can't call it in that spot uh, for a penalty, or whatever. Like, like this wasn't like Di Maria, like, like getting the ball and having his back towards goal. Like he wasn't in like a he was driving towards the goal, and got clipped right. inside the box. Sorry, it's a penalty, and Messi steps up and uh, and bangs it home. The second goal for Argentina was just absolute class. Maybe the best goal of the entire tournament. From a from a from a team goal standpoint. Team goal, yeah. It wasn't like individual brilliance, but. It was to and and actually it was, I will give Di Maria uh, this, uh, the way that he struck that ball, made it so it was not going to get saved. If you go back and watch that, he intentionally hits that ball into the ground so it bounces up over the keeper and goes in. Brilliant. Yeah, it's fa- it's fantastic. You can tell he meant to do it too. And for a guy like Di Maria, who has played for Argentina for probably. What, is this his fourth, fifth World Cup, like Messi? He was on the same Olympic team with Messi in 2008 when they won the gold medal in Beijing. Yeah, so, I mean, those, guy, those guys essentially have been Argentina over the last two decades. Yes. And he he drew the penalty, and then he scored the goal. So, at that point, 2 nothing. I mean, you're just you're just thinking, okay, uh, well, this is, this is it. This is, you know, Argentina. They're the team of destiny. They're going to win. They're just going to cruise to a 2 nothing win. They're completely that. Control. Hey, and I listen. I mean, that's what pretty much everybody was thinking. That even the France yeah. fans were probably thinking that too. Until the 79th minute of this game, that's how that was going. France had nothing in that game. Argentina dominated that game from start to the 79th minute, and then if the game ended I, at minute 75, Didier Deschamps would have said, "We didn't do diddly poo on yes. offense." He would have went Jim Mora, um, but. That's why they play 90 minutes. So, 79th minute, 
uh, I can't remember who the guy was who went down for France. It, again, same thing. Was it a lot of contact? No. Was it enough contact? Yes. And France was given the penalty. So if you complained, if you're a French a France fan and you complained about Di Maria getting that penalty early in the game, you were giving it right back. Because that right. was, that, again, that was not a crunching tackle. It was not, you know, something that was absolutely egregious. The France guy felt contact, went down, and forced the ref to call it. The ref had to call it. So at that point, Mbappe steps up. He hits it. And after we're done talking about this game, I want to have a conversation with you. I want to get your input on something regarding penalty kicks in game mm-hmm. and see if you agree with me. But yeah. we'll get to that. Okay. So just bookmark that. Okay. So Mbappe uh, scores two to one. You're thinking, okay, here we go. At least maybe at least the last 15 minutes are going to be interesting. It's going to be gripping, tension-filled uh, soccer. Argentina is going to try and hold on for their dear life. You know they're going to probably get very defensive for the last 10 minutes plus stoppage time, and France is going to go on the assault and try and tie the game. Well, we didn't have to wait very long. No, because essentially the next piece of France possession Mbappe with an incredible strike uh, one time on the volley that he played yep. I think with Griezmann and no it wasn't Griezmann it was no. that striker I can't remember he's the guy that no no it was Taram okay Taram but uh, it, it was a little give and go Mbappe yep. gave it to Taram Taram then just kind of booped it over the defense in the air and Mbappe from probably I mean, he was in the box, but he was way wide, so he was probably about 20 yards from the from the goal. Mm-hmm. Just absolutely fires a cannon shot um, into the bottom corner. Nothing that Martinez could have done. For, he was, There's no chance he would have stopped that shot. Nope. And Mbappe is just – I mean, he is just an absolute force of nature, man. You know, it, it's, it's an interest so, – I would say Messi and Mbappe are probably the two best players in the world right now. This game was basically that. It was like, who is the best? Yeah. You know, and Mbappe, obviously, he's much younger. He doesn't have the career accolades that Messi does, but he already had a World Cup from 2018, yeah. which Messi didn't have. He was trying to win a second World Cup by the age of 23. Age of 23. He has 12 goals in, in World Cup play. That's tied sixth all time. He's only four behind the all time record. Oh, he's and, gonna. And he's, he's probably only gonna twenty three. He's, pr- he's gonna smash it in the U.S. He in destroy that record by the time he's done. Oh he my could, word! He can end up having thirty World Cup goals. The record right now, <laughs> the record right now is held by Miroslav Klose from Germany, and he has sixteen. Anyway, okay, so 80, 82nd minute, game is tied, and if you're a if like if you're a French fan obviously you're going absolutely berserk you're going nuts yes you're you thinking, have a new you're, lease on life. you're thinking you're gonna win back-to-back World Cups at this point you've spent the first three quarters of this game deflated and playing out the string probably saying okay hey it was a good run we won the World Cup last time we got to the final and we lost to the best player that that's ever lived right you're thinking no shame in that then Mbappe strikes twice in a matter of 120 seconds basically. And you're thinking, holy crap, we're going to win this thing. We have all the momentum. We're going to win. And they and and we'll get to this. They almost won it with the last kick of the game in, yeah. re- in, 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 in regular time. If it wasn't for one of the greatest saves in World Cup history, 
by Martinez. Are we talking about at the end of normal time or yeah. extra time? Nor- was it normal? Because I thought it was. It would have been at the, one the where rest he, of The too. one where he sprawled out like this. That was in extra time. Oh, was it? Okay. That was after it had got. So, that was right before PKs. Yes. Yeah, okay. Um. So, yeah, that was just absolutely incredible. And then the crazy thing was, so we end up tied. We're going to extra time. Yes. You would think Argentina just would be absolutely and completely shell-shocked, like they had no idea what the hell just happened. They absolutely dominated extra time. Well, the extra time was played out much like the way regular time was. Yeah. Argentina was clearly better for the first, I don't know, 24, 25 minutes of it. We had the goal from uh, Messi, which uh, looked like it could have been a potential goal line clearance, but it wasn't. The ball went past the line, so it was a goal. Argentina subs on Lautaro Martinez from Inter, and my God, was he horrible. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm not just saying that because he plays for Inter and I'm an AC Milan fan. <laughs> that guy that guy had a wide-open header at the end of... Uh, the first extra time period. Yeah. And wide-open header, straight on goal, ball was crossed in, all he had to do was redirect it with his head, and he put it about 15 yards wide. One of the worst headers I've ever seen. It was absolutely insane. And then, uh, you know, back and forth, back and forth. I thought Messi uh, – actually, I, th- I believe this was before extra time. I'm going to rewind a little bit. I thought Messi was going to win the World Cup with a goal with the last kick of normal Yeah, time. okay, this is – yeah, right. That shot from the top of the box when you hear uh, – John is it John Strong? Yep. John Strong go, Messi! Yeah. Just he he gets it he gets the pass on the top of the box. Deeks one guy goes to the left. He essentially when he takes a shot he's straight on goal right outside the box, and for some reason he hit it right at the keeper. Mm. You would think Messi like that's 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 just inside the 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 near post or just inside the far post. He's he's putting it where, you know nobody could. could <laughs> Could you imagine if that's how that World Cup game ended? Oh, like literally walk off goal like in the last few seconds by that guy. In a game that, to me, still the way it played out, cemented his legacy. You would have had about thirty thousand Argentines on the pitch <laughs> if, if that would have yeah. happened. Yeah, yeah, and not just effing Salt Bay. You know, it can be started on that crap. How did that guy get on the field? And then he's touching the World Cup. You know, there's rules against that, right? Only you certain do, you don't do that. Only certain people are allowed to touch that thing. If you haven't won the World Cup. Or I, quite frankly, this goes for any major sporting trophy. If you don't want it, you don't get to touch it. Yeah, that's just wrong. Yeah, especially on the field right after the game. Freaking Salt Bay. I mean, what the hell? Has guy, that guy's fifteen minutes of fame run out? That or guy not? should be canceled. Yeah. Anyway, so we had Messi almost win the game at the end of regular time. Then we have the aforementioned. My opinion, the greatest save in World Cup history. Oh my! Right God, at the end you are of extra so time. So right. I mean, it was. In a way, it was luck because all he was doing was making himself big, and the guy just hit it into his leg. Right. But again, given the stakes, I mean, you're a goalkeeper. You know that extra time is uh is about to, uh, be over. 
And then all of a sudden, you blink, and there's a guy coming on, uh, you know. One-on situation. One-on. It's your worst nightmare, ball, pretty one much. On. So he just – he comes out, he attacks – he attacks the ball and he makes like like goalies are taught to do, make yourself as big as possible. Yeah. He sticks his arms out, he sticks his legs out, and the guy shoots it and hits his leg. I mean, imagine being I can't. I can't it remember. wasn't like the guy made a bad shot. No, he no, kicked no. it hard yeah. on the ground. Yeah. Which is really hard to stop. Yeah. And it was just an unbelievable play. Yeah, I mean, he basically the keeper Martinez basically did the splits to save that ball. Yep. Incredible. Just absolutely incredible. The theater is unbelievable. I didn't even care about. I don't even care about either of these two uh, countries, right? Like, like I, France did me a solid and beat England, but I don't. Want, I didn't want France to win. Back to back champions, they would have won their third, third, right? Third, yeah. Both these teams were going for their third title in this yeah. game. Yeah, and Argentina. I mean, other than the fact that hey, you know, I tweeted. There are an uh, an obscene amount of people that are in Argentina that are Italian. And Lionel yes, Messi that's is true. Lionel Messi is one of them. His ancestry is Italian. Yeah. So I'm claiming this for the motherland. Hmm. You know, Italy we we stood our ground. We did not want to go to this tournament because it was in Qatar and the human rights violations and all that. We are standing on our principles. That's why we did not go to the World Cup. Italy's been consistent on this. They wait, didn't wait. go to Russia either. That's right. <laughs> so it had nothing to do with the fact that we didn't qualify, but whatever. We didn't want to qualify, but anyway, um, yeah, it was uh, it was unbelievable. And then obviously penalties. Uh, Ibappe hits his, Messi hits his with a little cheeky finish just to just to the left of the keeper. He kind of waited. He he almost did like a like one of those Jorginho like hop ones to wait to see which way the keeper goes. It's amazing to me that kick was so slow mm-hmm. that Hugo Lloris, the French keeper, actually was leaning the wrong way and actually almost had time to get back the other way to save it. That's that's yeah. just how much Messi outsmarted him with, with which side he was going to. And he does that to everybody. It's, yeah. I mean, like you said, it's very Jorginho-esque, except Jorginho doesn't always get the keeper to go the wrong way. <laughs> I don't know how Messi does it better than anyone else, but he does. Yeah, I mean, the guy just, the guy just does not feel pressure. I mean, seriously. Does not feel pressure. Um. And then obviously we had uh, we had the back-to-back uh, French players. One, the first one got saved. The second one, he just flat out missed the goal. Yep. And then at that point, that was basically. And that was sugar. when Martinez did the waddle, I think. Oh yeah. After the guy missed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. I think it was at that point he knew it was over. So he yeah. was just like, okay, yeah, have fun now. Yep. So Argentina wins. Argentina wins the World Cup. Messi gets his World Cup. Messi cements his legacy, my opinion, as the greatest soccer player of all time. Um, and Argentina has their third World Cup. Their first since 19... First since 1986. 86, yeah. When Maradona um, had, the, I think, the two goals against England in the semi, and then, then uh, they won the final. So I can't remember who they beat in the final. But yeah. um, Argentina, that, that was the infamous hand of God was in that game, if I recall. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, Argentina's now won three titles there. Only now looking up at Germany, Italy, and Brazil for most yep. titles all time. Yep. Um, France, Uruguay, Spain, and England are now behind Argentina in the pecking order. Those are the eight countries that have ever won the tournament. And the the assumption was that from an international, international play standpoint that 
Messi was going to ride off into the sunset and retire, but he said he wants to continue playing. He wants to be able to wear the jersey that has the World Cup uh, patch on it, the champion patch. Oh, right, because now they got to update from two stars to three. Yeah, and yeah. and there's there's a gold FIFA patch that the like like Italy has worn that the defending champion wears. So Argentina's going to have two patches on there: hmm. Copa America, Copa and, America, oh, and the FIFA okay. World Cup. Nice. So I think Messi's going to play in the next Copa America. The next Copa America is 2024, and it was supposed to be hosted by Ecuador, but Ecuador said, "Nee, we're not. We don't. We're not interested in hosting." Which is so, hilarious. Like, why? I I don't know. I mean, they figure they have adequate facilities in Quito and Guayaquil and places, but I guess I don't know. But anyway, so the rumor is that it's going to be hosted in the U.S. Yeah, like it was in 2016. So the U.S. is going to host the Copa America and then the World Cup. That's part of the thought process. Because the Confederations Cup doesn't exist anymore, hmm. the, they would use that tournament sort of as a warm-up for a lot of the host cities in that. Got it. for the World Cup. Okay, so here's what I want to run by you. Kylian Mbappe had a hat trick in the World Cup final, right? Yes, he did. Gave him the golden boot with eight goals. Two of those were penalties. Yes. See if you agree with me on this. I think the person who gets fouled has to kick the penalty. Yes, yes, 100 freaking percent yes. Yes, absolutely. I, ever since and, and so Mbappe, Mbappe would have kicked one of those penalties because his shot was blocked by a, by a handball at the top of the box. So Mbappe would have been able to take one of the penalties, but not the second one he would have taken because it was his shot. The first one would not have been, which no ultimately was huge because at that point it was 2-0. France desperately needed that just to get even back into the game. Yeah. So. Yeah, and then, uh, you know, on the flip side, Messi wouldn't have been able to take the penalty kick. The initial one to put Argentina ahead. Yeah. And now in that case, it would have been Di Maria, who's probably the second most likely guy to score. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he did. He was he was the guy that scored the second goal for Argentina. So you know he was you know he was he was up for it. So, right. Yeah, I I think that should that should be the rule. I I don't like this like technical foul style. You know, in the NBA, when you get a technical foul, you can just put your best free throw shooter up at the at that right for a technical foul. Really, that makes sense because it's essentially. It wasn't a foul on a specific player, a technical foul in the NBA. Right. Right. Like could this, be for, you know, defense of three seconds, or it could be for delay of game, or yeah. you know, something not a guy mouthing a mouthing mouth off of the ref. It could be something non basketball related. Yeah. Yeah. But for a penalty in soccer, you're either getting taken down in the box or your shot is being blocked by a hand. So whoever shot the ball gets to take the penalty. And whoever gets fouled in the box takes a penalty. Yeah. That would make things so incredibly – it would be, like, chaotic at that point because you'd have guys – like, you have, like, central defenders taking and – I, and I, I guess central defenders sometimes do take penalties in penalty kicks situations, but – They're usually not your first choice guy to go up there. Yeah. You know? So I agree I, – I completely agree with that that thought process that whoever gets fouled – Takes the free kick. I love that. I love that we're talking about this because this is a, a rule that has irked me from the very beginning, from when I started watching soccer. 
I've said for 20 years that it should be whoever gets fouled that has to take the penalty kick. Yeah. And it has the the added benefit to that is how many times do you see people complaining about, well, this guy scored this many goals? Well, yeah, how many of those were penalties? Right. You know, if if you make this the rule, you're going to end that distortion in the goal scoring statistics. Right, and you make so, – if somebody gets like six or seven or eight penalty goals in a year, you could at least say, well, he's the one he who created the them, yes. so he should yes. be able to, to take the penalty. Yes. The only, the only way that teams can should legally be able to get around this is if the player is so hurt by the play, like so injured that he has to come out of the game. Right. You and know, then they do. And, and again, I, I go back to the, the example with the NBA. What do they do with free throws if a guy gets hurt? If the guy cannot shoot the free throws, he cannot come back into the game. Then he's out. He's done for the right. game. Right. I think it should be the same thing. Yep. Um, Maybe that leads to some situations where if there's a foul in, like, the 92nd minute, they'll just, like, you know, the guy will fake the injury to put the other guy on. But, like, you'll deal with that if, if people are willing to play gamesmanship that way. Yeah. But, like, that that's that's the only hard way to get around it. So Yeah. So 100%, if you get fouled and you draw the penalty, you take the penalty. It's got to be. Yeah. got to be. Yeah. Or if your if your shot gets blocked by a hand, then you get to take because right because your shot it was your shot that was going to be on the goal, whether the keeper were, would have saved it or not. Yep, your shot got blocked, so you get to take the penalty. Could lead to some funny situations where somebody who's taking the free kick or the corner kick, it ends up being a handball. It ends up being them that has to take the penalty. Yeah, but, you know. Yeah. yeah, that's just the way it goes. Yeah. So, yeah, I definitely agree with that. But, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I think you agree with me that most exciting World Cup game you've ever watched. Ever. Yeah. Without a doubt. Yeah. It's not even not even close for me, really. Right. I mean, what are some of the other ones? I, I mean, the 2014 and 2006 finals both went to extra time. Uh, yeah. 2006, of course, went to penalties. France, of course, lost on penalties there, yeah. too. Aha, to Italy. Um, I mean, there were a few other games that were really outstanding in terms of you know, they weren't necessarily in the final, but could have been other knockout round games that were, yeah. you know, had goals scored in extra time or, or, you know, in the last few minutes of the 90 to, to give a team a win. I mean, there's there's plenty of examples of that. But you didn't have a game where you had the top players on each team completely ball out like this. Yep. You didn't have so many wild swings in the game where it's like 2-0. Oh, you thought – one team hadn't done anything for 75 minutes. You're thinking, well, this well, this game's over. No. You know, two sudden goals there. And then you get a goal in extra time. You're thinking, okay, well, now it's finally done and dusted. Again, no. You still had another swerve. And then it could have been the ultimate of ultimate swerves had Martinez not made that ridiculous save in the 119th minute. France could, oh have, won the game. France could have won the game outright. And that would have been would just there have been, the biggest comeback Would ever. there have been a bigger heartbreak if France had scored that goal? Oh, no way. No way. The biggest heartbreak ever. Yeah. And from a historical, I mean, historical standpoint of the game, you know, again, we're talking about Messi and his legacy and the fact that he's now being regarded as the greatest of all time. That save saved his legacy because – He's 35, 36. 35. He's our age. Does he play another World Cup? It, it, he'll be 39. Ah, oh boy. Uh, I mean, I listen, don't know. he's still at the peak they of may his... Pl- maybe if he's still playing somewhat decently, they, they'll probably put him on the roster. 
He's still at the peak of his powers now in thir- at 35, but four years is a long time. I mean, for sake of argument, Pepe of Portugal was the— Ah, PP. Who I think, I think was the oldest non-keeper to play in this tournament, and he was 39. So that gives yeah. you an idea of, of what you know he might be looking at for 2026. True. Yeah. Pepe um, actually scored in this tournament and became the oldest goal scorer ever, yeah, oddly he, enough. Yeah, he, he actually had a really good tournament. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so there was not only was the World Cup on the line, but the guy the guy's legacy was on the line. Messi and I, I gotta tell you what, if Messi is not like buying him like a five hundred thousand dollar like sports car or something for making that <laughs> save, like Martinez has got to be getting the greatest Christmas gift of all time, whatever that is from it Lionel Messi. Be, it better be a Lamborghini or some yeah. Italian sports car, something like that. But, <laughs> <laughs> wow. I mean, just I, I just thought of that now. Like, for all Messi – and Messi did so much in that game to deserve to win. If his keeper doesn't make that save, oh, my god! France wins 4-3. And the only game I can think of off the top of my head that you could compare that level of heartbreak to would be the Atlanta Falcons in Super Bowl 51 being up 28-3 to in the third quarter and losing that game. I'll give you Similar one. Similar situation. I'll give you one. Dortmund, 2006, the semifinal. Germany, the host nation, is in the semifinal, has the game 0-0 in the 119th minute, gives up two goals in the span of two minutes, much like how Argentina did, and loses as the host nation. That game would have been the biggest heartbreak ever, like had Germany been up one nothing before that happened. Yeah. Uh, but still, that is that was pretty gut wrenching. I'm saying and- it. I'm uh, I'm saying it because it was in Dortmund. It was in front of their home home fans. And their biggest rival just went bing, bang, boom. Goodbye. As the commentator said afterward, a historical day for the Italian side. They're the first team to ever beat Germany in Dortmund, and Germany still has never defeated Italy in World Cup play. Yep. Still haven't. Nope. They beat Germany them. hasn't done squat in the last two World Cups. They... The parallels between the parallels between the fourteen Germany team and the 06 Italy team are eerie, remarkably. And if they so. con- if they continue, uh, we're not going to see Germany in the we U.S. In <laughs> they won't even qualify. But the World Cup is expanding, so I'd imagine we're probably it's not expanding see that much in Europe. You're going from thirteen teams to sixteen, right? But so uh, under the current format. It makes it harder for a non-power team to qualify, but you're still going to have some decent teams in Europe that don't make it. True. Unlike the other continents, like Africa is going to get nine, Asia is going to get eight. That's crazy. North America is going to get six. So, like, <laughs> you're going to have some teams like El Salvador and Uzbekistan probably qualifying next time. I can you know. listen. I can understand that. I can understand North America getting more teams. They're hosting the friggin' tournament. Right. Well, yeah, it's going to be a little distorted. Asia is getting eight teams. Eight. Can't even name eight Asian countries. <laughs> but yeah. To be fair, Asia had a pretty good tournament. Saudi Arabia was the only team that actually beat Argentina in this tournament. No, that's true. And on top of that, Korea, Japan, and Australia all made it to the round of sixteen. So maybe their confederation is starting to, you know, develop and grow a little bit. We'll see come twenty twenty six, because eight is a lot. Yeah. How uh, how I, this is probably opening a can of worms, and we're at the end of the episode anyway. But I'll open it up. <laughs> how are countries with literally over a billion people not in the World Cup? 
Oh, you mean like um, India like China, and China? India. Yeah. I don't know. China has at least made the last round of Asian qualifying the last two cycles. You but have a they, billion people. But like they can't beat Japan, Korea, Australia. That's Saudi incredible. Arabia. Japan, they, yeah. Maybe now that eight teams get in instead of four or maybe. five, maybe they'll get there now. India, on the other hand, it, it's more cultural. Yeah. Let me back a minute. In the case of China, they have historically put more effort into Olympic sports, particularly right. summer Olympic sports. You yeah. know, stuff like weightlifting and gymnastics and uh, ping pong and, you know, sorry, <laughs> excuse me, table tennis. Yeah. Sorry, I want to be politically correct here. Yes. Um, so. Their emphasis wasn't so much on soccer for a long time. Now, I feel like that's starting to change a little bit. But, yeah. you know, we'll, we might see them in 2026. We'll have to see. They did qualify for one previous tournament in 2002. But uh, India, on the other hand, I feel like it's more cultural. Yeah. They don't, they don't even like soccer in India. No. Cricket, cr- cricket. Is, the natural, is the national sport. Yep. Um, and, you know, you don't see a lot of, like, great players from India, like, even in stuff like track and field, basketball. Uh, you know, like some of the even golf, like you don't see that. Yeah, they just they sort of put all their eggs in one basket, really. And pro it's, wrestling, it's, they actually do have a presence <laughs> in pro wrestling. Oddly the great Kali, yes. But and, um, uh, Satnam Singh in AEW. But you would think, you would think that they would have again eleven guys that could play a billion people in their country, right? Like it's crazy. Yeah, a little bit of investment would go a long way. Yeah. Like, Meanwhile, you've got uh, countries like Croatia that have like 4 million people in their country, and they're one of the best teams in the world. Last time around, Russia 2018, Iceland qualified for the World Cup. Yeah. Iceland is the size of Corpus Christi, Texas, in terms <laughs> of population. Like, yeah. that's ridiculous. Yeah. And so you wouldn't like, think that a place like Iceland would play a lot of soccer. Yeah, right. If you're talking about culture... And in this case, you know, going back to weather, which you talked about a lot today, Iceland doesn't have a great climate for no, soccer. No. It's to the point where UEFA has actually said during their March and November international windows, they're not allowed to play home games. They have to be Crazy. on the road during those windows because it, it's just too cold. They should just play on the black sand beaches. <laughs> That's that, Maybe they do. Yeah. Maybe if you go to Reykjavik, they actually are playing on the volcanic sand like they, like they do in Copacabana Beach in Rio. I, I don't know. Nice to see, though. Yep. So, all right. Well, uh, yeah, that was the greatest uh, soccer game I've ever watched in my life. Ever. So, uh, we will end the episode there. Uh, f- before we end the episode, I just want to wish everybody a very Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to everybody. Um, I don't know. We'll have to pay attention to our social media. Uh, usually every year we take a week off at the end of the year just to kind of recharge and you know just kind of settle down during the holidays so uh, we haven't made that decision yet but pay attention to our social medias and we will let you know we appreciate you guys always for listening hope that you guys have a great holiday week um you know hopefully everybody stays healthy and we're able to see everybody and and all that stuff i know with my family last year the the holidays were just an absolute cluster because of covid and oh, people in the family yeah. and covid Thank goodness we're out of those days. Yeah. So, uh, but uh, yeah. So, hope everybody has a very merry Christmas, Steve. I know yours, your guys is going to be very special because it's going to be Scarlett's first Christmas. Yes, so it is. I'm sure that's going to be awesome. Um, 
Man, she's almost no. a year old. She had to go the entire year before you know seeing a first Christmas. Yeah, how about so, that? Well, that means you just got to make yeah. hers her first one that much more special. We were actually out buying gifts last night, and I know you were out buying gifts today. Yeah, so I finished we, my finished my shopping today. You know, we were semi procrastinators, but we did get it done. And again, I'm I'm telling you again, be very very careful if you're doing any sort of travel. Thursday night through Saturday, especially I'm telling, don't even go out on Friday. I just don't do it. Friday, I'll be spending my, I will be spending my. We have Friday off for work. We're observing it as the holiday because Christmas Eve and Christmas are on the weekend. Right. Um. So I will be wrapping gifts on Friday. So I have them all bought. So Friday will be dedicated to staying in the house and wrapping. Yeah. So but, be uh, safe, everybody. Be safe. Uh, if you're crazy enough to be going down to first energy stadium on saturday that goes double for you be safe uh stay warm it's going to be cold enough to where if you are under the influence at all and make some silly decision like take your shirt off or something you could get frostbite you could it's going to be that cold so take extra precautions uh, if you're going down, put on, on all Saturday. your layers. Get out the hand make, warmers. Hopefully, you got a vehicle with the four wheel drive. Mm-hmm. You know, or you're taking public transit. That would be fine too. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we love you guys. Thank you guys for listening. As always, uh, if this is the last episode for 2022, it's been a year of transition for this podcast. But I think we've steadied the ship and uh, really excited for 2023. So, um, thanks for uh, you, Stephen, for jumping in. Uh, when we kind of kind of had a, the rock boat, the uh, the boat rocked a little bit, but I uh, appreciate you uh, stepping in. It's, it's been so much fun. It's really been a pleasure, Dan. So, uh, again, Merry Christmas to everybody. Merry Christmas to you, Steve, your family, Scarlett. And uh, if we don't talk to you guys next week, have a very happy new year, and we'll see you guys in 2023. So, for Steven, I'm Dan. You can follow us on social media. At Stiffs McGee. And at Daniel J. Ford for me. Uh, follow us as a podcast at the LOTL Podcast. Merry Christmas to all and to all. Have a good night. See ya.